Well, good Saturday morning and welcome to Hobby Hotline on Bench Clear Media, episode 232. I'm joined by Adam, here is for sale, and Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. And I'm Danny. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Great. Adam, how's how have you been? Yeah, pretty good. Just uh, kind of starting some stuff on YouTube, doing a little bit more on my own channel, and then trying to do some more clips and stuff here for Hobby Hotline, you know, uh, working on the back end of our YouTube and stuff like that. So, you know, um, just do well, everything I, that I can basically. With I, I was about to, I was about to give you credit. Uh, Adam has been absolutely killing it on the backside. So thank you for all the work you, you're doing on hobby hotline. This is a group and a team effort. And that's one of the neat things about it is you've got a lot of people coming together. So, uh, thank you for all of that. Um, couple topics excited to talk about, uh, today. And, uh, I don't know what order to go in after last night in my bracket, kind of blew up, um, I think, with everybody else's. Um, but it led me to, to, to wonder, you know, with between NILs and Fanatics um, and everything else that, that's going on, you know, are we going to see a set of cards like the World Cup soccer set? Are we going to see cards for the players before the tournament or after the tournament where they're going to have real value? Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would. I think with like like you're saying with NIL, I definitely would like to see more. You know, NCAA basketball cards. Like, I feel like that's sort of the next iteration of like what Tops is doing. You know, we've seen the Bowman the Bowman Chrome U set. We've seen like they've done like the Tops uh, or, or the Bowman Next Tops Now set with some basketball players. We have the uh, the Tops Chrome uh, McDonald's All American set coming out soon. So. I would imagine that there's something coming down the pipeline. I guess it'll be interesting. Like, I don't know how they'll be able to do it when it comes to like March Madness. If they'll, you know, if it'll have to be like after the fact that they come out with the set or if it's like they, cause like with it, like, you know, there's always like the, the, the snubs that don't make it to the NCAA tournament. So it's like tough for them to probably quickly turn around a set like the world cup. We kind of know who's making the world cup. Uh, and then same with like, you know, the college football playoff, if they come out with some, some set like that, it's probably a little bit tougher to turn around a set as quickly as maybe people would be interested in it. But I think if it included some of the big names that are going to be in the upcoming draft, like doing it maybe like later on, like uh, I guess it would be tough but at the same time, it's like I think that there is something that could be done there. Maybe it's like a Tops Now product. Uh, maybe it's a Bowman set or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I think I would like to see. I, I, I mean, I'm always a fan, especially now with NIL, like how Tops can come out with the license set. Like I'm always a fan of adding some sort of new maybe fan base into the hobby because like a lot of the basketball programs, like they probably don't have like um, pro teams. So they maybe don't have these pro players that they can collect their cards of. Um, and also I think with college too, like, you know, when you're a fan of uh, a player in college, you kind of follow them most of the time throughout their career, depending on how diehard you are. But like, and it's always changing too. That's kind of the other thing. So yeah, I would like to see some sort of set. It'll be interesting to see if they how they would be able to execute it. But I think it would be kind of cool. What do you think, Doctor Bucket? Well, two things. One, my friends that are getting real involved with college sports recruiting, there's promises made to these athletes when they come in, and they're literally guaranteed, in many cases, five figure or six figure, even seven figure NIL money without any regard to where that's going to come from. They're, they're just guaranteed they're going to get 
and I don't know if it's coming from a booster or whatever for a, a personal appearance kind of thing. But so having said that, when these when these young, uh, you know, basketball players get these guarantees, this is a way to monetize it, you know, with other people's money and not for the boosters. So uh, these things have to be in the works. If they're not contemplating memorabilia and card stuff, they're they're really missing out. And so. So I think these, I hope something's in the works because it's in the news. Now, having said that, if you're a newspaper person, if something happens last night, how many of the papers this morning are not covering uh, Purdue's upset by Farley Dickinson? Okay. You know, they're, they're, it's all going to be in there with photos. Okay, well, how is mm-hmm. it different from a card set? They could do paper sets, you know, pictures, ink on cardstock. They, I don't know that they can turn autographs and game used overnight, but they literally could, could slice and dice uh, because the screen grabs are there for photography of, of, of some of those blocks at the end of the game. You know, the, all the Farty Dickinson guys were just playing at hyperspeed and all the, uh, all the, Purdue guys were just lost heart. They they were doing slow mo. Anyway, you could you could capture photos from that, have it produced this morning and 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 pre sold today to be shipped uh, today or tomorrow. Uh, again, I just don't know if that's going to be a of great interest without the autographs or the chance. Maybe you'd have a chance to get an autograph that would be redeemed at a later date. So I, I think they're, the NIL people are missing the boat if they're not hitting the memorabilia and card market hard. And again, it's anything that's going to get attention and be newsworthy is going to be good for our whole industry. That's my thought. Absolutely. Um, And I wonder, you know, Adam, to your point of how many teams, you know, will get in, you know, and Dr. Becker, maybe you can speak to to the logistics. Couldn't they print a hundred teams and and just eat, eat a couple? Um, is, is, would that be such a monetary loss or is that something absorbable? Well, it's, it's everything in the hobby is counter instinctual. So let's say, uh, last month they get releases from all the teams that they think might be in March madness. And as we know, only 68 got in and four of them were very briefly, <laughs> uh, involved. So they got 68 teams. They picked a hundred. Okay, well, like I said, they don't need to do it in advance if they're if unless they're going to do autographs and game used and things like that, and, right. and probably not even game used, but but uh, player worn. Let's say they could do this <laughs> in advance. Yeah, Here's we can When the sixty-eight teams get through, would they throw the other two thirty-two teams in the dumpster? I don't think so. I well, think, I think be, also I teams think make the short, NIT as well. Be, like be, I know, but they'd be short prints. You know, mm. I mean, they, they're not they're not going to throw away assets. Now, if it's a paper card of a player that, that didn't do anything, a team didn't make it, maybe those go in the dumpster. But any game used or autograph stuff from a player, like Adam says, they've gotten the NIT or or just a good player that that might be drafted. And, and what we found out from Farley Dickinson is that you you shouldn't be picking favorites in advance. You know, you've got players <laughs> there that you would not have thought, you know, the one guy wouldn't even a starter. Yeah. Uh, let's catch up on some hellos. Uh, we got Rex in, in the uh, shop. 
uh, the card shop. Good morning to you guys. We have Frank. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Michael, pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Mark, I think we all agree with that. We could listen to Dr. Beckett. I don't know if you need to put the amount of years in there. Um, <laughs> and uh, so welcome to everybody in the chat. And feel free, uh, the link is at the bottom of the screen, and I will put it in the chat also. Uh, Korean Cardboard, good morning, gentlemen, to you as well. You mean uh, good evening? Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. We're going by the name. You know, maybe he's just in <laughs> Iowa. Maybe. So, um, <laughs> Okay, so I my my feeling on these cards is I think at some point like prospecting, and I and I always look at the Bowman first. Uh, there is a market for prospecting somehow at some level. The question is is, is does it need to be in the pro uniform uh, for sports? You know, because college baseball cards don't don't really sell or are not popular. So do we you know feel that we need the pro uniform? And I think most of the sets that don't have the pro uniform, don't touch in price, you know, and, and popularity. Adam, is, is that kind of your, what you would agree with? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I think the one thing that might be, that I was just thinking about that might be a little bit tough with like the NCAA tournament is like, how, how much do people care about the NCAA tournament after the tournament's over? Like if, you know, if they, if they were to like, you know, once the 68 teams are in, if they were to make this, they were to make the cards of the 68 teams and then the set were to be released. I mean, maybe, maybe it could be like, you could do like a pre-order set, like it could be pre-ordered. So that way you don't have really have to worry about like after the fact, like trying to get people to buy the set. Um, or maybe it's like, you know, maybe it could be like a moment set, like a top, like a tops now, like where, you know, there's a fairly Dickinson, upset card or like there's a Princeton upset card or something along those lines, like a moments card, like the in, maybe like an insert set or something. Maybe that's you, you could figure out a way to market that, but I, yeah, but yeah, I do also think like you were saying it may be a little bit tougher to, I think we're shifting in a way like with the NIL, like and with more companies being able to use the likeness of college teams so, I mean, maybe things could shift a little bit, but I think, you know, as of right now, yeah, I do think that the, you know, that pro uniform is a little bit different, but I do think just from like right now, I, I think with NIL, like we are seeing, we're seeing college products come out of players in college right now for kind of the first time. Like there's probably been certain sets here and there, but like, from a, like a macro perspective, like the Bowman Chrome set, like all of those players, none of them have been drafted yet. Most of the Panini college sets come out after the players get drafted. So it's like, it'll be interesting to see if there's a big shift or if it kind of stays the same and people like don't really care as much. Um, or if, you know, or if there's a shift. Dr. Beckett, do you care uh, if they're in a uniform? Well, no, I, they're worth less, but not worthless. Mm. They're just worth less, and but it's still if it's an early card of of a guy that goes on to great acclaim, it, it'll be worth something. It won't be worth maybe as much, but who knows? Maybe that could change. The other thing is I don't know why somebody isn't figuring out that uh, what would have that been forty years ago the Star Company came along. Mm -hmm. it, it, they're much maligned in some circles, but really, it's a lot easier to do team set bags in terms yeah. of distribution. And that would work really well for, you know, perhaps with some random 
chase element in, in the bags. The chase element in the star company basketball is you don't know what the centering is in the, <laughs> in the, in the middle of the bag. You could try to shimmy it and try to figure it out, but you really can't. Right. So somebody could do something like that because the star company, that guy was, was really pretty smart. It's way easier to print, distribute, manufacture, you know, set it all up with these team set bags. And, you know, the same player, if you're looking for Farley Dickinson sets or cards, are you going to buy a whole box and get one card in the box that's mm. somebody, or would you want to buy the team set? So I, I think, and then the team set royalties go straight. Again, there's a little bit of a, of a, of a, a March Madness fantasy aspect to it with your bracket is that maybe there's some kind of redemption thing like the, the MVP promotion that tops did that whoever wins those sets are, are uh, redeemable for something. See, that would be great. That would make, that would make every team a chase, you know, not every, yeah, yeah, right. And because you have your alumni base, yeah, right. You have the alumni base for the, for the, for the fairly Dickinson's, you know, who are going to buy them regardless of the win and then would buy them like crazy today. And then, of course, everybody else, you know, I'm a University of Maryland fan, and everybody's convinced their team's going to win it all. So um, I like buying the team bags for the minor league teams for baseball also. Same idea. You just, you know, in the team store, you get that, you know, little pack. And, you know, I've got a Jackson Holiday minor league card, you know, for, from an off, you know, I don't know who prints it, but uh, it might be TCMA. Or I don't know if they do it anymore. But Well, it goes, it goes in the college bookstore. You know, there, yeah. there's a lot of avenues for a single – focused set and uh the alums and things like that so all right so for all the giant uh, you know again same thing non-pack pulled cards generally are worth less they're not worthless but they're worth less than something that you're taking a chance to buy a pack and maybe you'll get it maybe you won't I yeah, like that, I, I it maybe it even could be like tops could sell those team packs like as like a print on demand set like they and they, and they then they could use you know they could use images maybe from the NCA tournament like I, I mean I'm sure there's images that they could get as soon as they get those 68 teams you know they have like three or four days to kind of put together something potentially well, and I mean unfortunately like if you're you know a Purdue fan or if you're like an Arizona fan you may not want to buy those that set because you're like you're devastated that your team lost. But at the same time, if you're a Princeton or you're a fairly Dickinson, you may be running out to the, to buy that because you're like, I want to commemorate this important moment in sports, you know, but or pre-order. If, if we did Danny's idea that in advance, they took orders for a hundred teams, whether they were going to get in the, in March madness or NIT or whatever, they took orders for those a hundred teams and Farley Dickinson there were only pre-orders for 37 sets, mm. which is the aunts and uncles and the players <laughs> and, You're and right. the super fans. And so you've got 37 sets now to go. And, and, and Purdue, there's 10,000 sets that were, so. that were made. And so you've got a built-in thing there. that, But it has to be – you have to pre-order it before the games, just like you got to fill out your bracket before the game. I think you get some excitement there. Then, because now they say how many brackets, how many brackets are still viable for perfection? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe close to zero. With, yeah. a, with a fifteen and a and a sixteen both winning, who would have picked both of those? And if one player comes out of it, that would be an extremely valuable card. Right. Yeah, that's cool. 
Um, so uh, tops would have an idea of the top 30 teams. Well, I guess that's an interesting point. The way they do it with the conferences, um, in some ways, it's almost easier to predict some of the smaller conferences uh, than the bigger ones. So, you know, you know, you could pre pre print, you know, I think a lot of the teams. Um, okay. Right. So well, you'd, you'd have yeah. to, because today is the demand. Exactly. Right? You wait until tomorrow uh, or Monday, let's say for sure, either Farley Dickinson is going to be, and Princeton are still going to be, still be news, or they're going to be uh, an asterisk of a historical footnote of an amazing upset, um, two amazing upsets. Yep. And the, and uh, Kevin says like Steph Curry with Davidson, perfect example. Perfect um, example. Can you, can you imagine if, if that card would have been available, you know, uh, it would have been like crazy. Uh, Michael says you could take the autos and transfer those to next year's NBA set is insert rookie RPAs is cross marketing. It's a great idea for the guys that will make the NBA. One of the, one of the challenges, the NCAA tournament is very few of the guys are actually going to make the, the NBA. So that's why giving them a card um, is kind of cool. Uh, but it leads me to another uh, tournament where not everybody is professional, and that's the World Baseball Classic. And uh, I was lucky enough to go Tuesday night and, and see my first uh, WPBC game. Uh, I saw uh, Israel face uh, the Dominican Republic. Let me tell you something. The crowd um, was unbelievable. I've never had so much fun and excitement at a baseball game outside of my personal team's playoff game. Um so, you know, it leads me to the same thought, you know, uh, how popular is the World Baseball Classic going to be uh, long term? And Adam, you had a great thought on this. And, and is this ever going to be an item that affects card prices or, or will the cards for the WBC ever become popular? Yeah, I think the tournament probably would have been a little bit, which also, first of all, it was the, it's the most watched baseball classic I think of all time. Like I think that statistic came out the other day, like the pool play had like the most viewed, most viewers, but probably because it was like on prime time a lot of the time. And then it was, it was almost like the world cup where there was just like games the, the whole day. Like I think a lot of the, like the games that were in Japan were in like the early morning afternoon. And then some of the like West coast games were late at night. And then some of the games that were in the, in Miami were like midnight. So it's or like seven ish. So it's like, I, there was a good, there was a much easier opportunity for people to watch those games for this tournament. I also think that like, if the, if the tournament the last time around hadn't been canceled, this one probably would have been more popular. Um, and I just think overall, like it, it's kind of a similar situation. Like, you know, tops is coming out with the tops now uh, world baseball classic cards. I would be interested to see sort of what happens to those cards if they're popular in the future or what happens with them. And uh, speaking of which, good morning, all. Hi, all the way from Juarez, Mexico, Antonio. Well, Mexico pulled off a nice victory last night. Dr. Beckett, uh, what, what do you think? Is, is World Baseball Classic ever going to carry over into regular baseball collecting? Uh, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I'm in favor of more things that are newsworthy. I, I think the problem of the World Baseball Classic is just it's the timing. You know, it's right now people are not quite – I mean, it's March, but it's not – you know, if they were all-star break or something to where it would be when people are really, really thinking about baseball, they're thinking about, uh, you know, grapefruit league baseball, you know, in some cases. So I think that's problematic around the world though. I think it's cool. I think it's great. And I, I hope, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm bullish on the cards. I mean, it, it's the only cards of some of these guys. 
and there's a lot of prospects. And that's what I think that's one of the cool things is seeing some of the prospects against some of the all-stars um, and, and guys really making a name for themselves or having a chance to play competition that they would never have a chance uh, during the season or even you know, maybe in spring training. Um, and Antonio says, uh, up here in Mexico, card collecting is going real up. <laughs> I, I, I bet uh, Mexico uh, has knocked out a bunch of teams. Uh, now, if I'm an Edwin Diaz fan, um, maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, hesitant. Um, now, that, that could happen anywhere. That could happen in basketball with the Dream Team. That could happen, you know, in the World Cup. I mean, we've seen guys get injured there. But is, is that a reason to avoid it, or is that just, you know, happenstance? It cannot happen at the NBA All-Star Game or the <laughs> NFL Pro Bowl, I don't think. And, then, and again, this is – I don't like that trend. So, you know, one, a casualty, that's very disappointing, but it's it could happen anytime. So I, I hope these guys play hard. Yeah. Sports is supposed to be about giving your best. And, Adam, you, you made a comment off air that it wasn't even during the game. It was part of the celebration. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a freak accident. Like, I, I, I don't – it's – it's, you know, it's – you can't really, it's hard to compare it to anything. It's like, you know, it's, it's like, you, you, you know, you hear like for during the NBA playoffs, like a while ago, like probably a decade ago, like Rajon Rondo said he slipped in the shower or Marcus smart, excuse me. And he like hurt his hand. It's like, it's the same sort of thing. Like it's, you know, if, if they have that celebration a hundred more times, he's not going to get injured. So it's like, and, and then you look, and then it's, you look at like um, a same player on the Mets, like he got injured sliding into second base in a, in a, in a spring training game. Like, so, you know, the conversation I think of, of if they should have it is obviously, yes, they should have it. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, a, I think it's good for the sport. I think it increases the, you know, look at, I guess Shohei Otani has always been sort of this enigma and this, you know, superstar talent, but it's like, you, I think he on a on a global stage right now. He's really showing that he's probably going to sign like a almost a billion dollar contract when it's time for him to be a free agent. Like, and I I, I just think that like I think one cool thing actually that came out of it was like Otani hit the home run and then the, all the Japanese fans were like passing the ball around and taking pictures. I mean that was like super cool. Obviously that would never happen in the United States. The the second person that got the ball would run to their car with it probably, <laughs> but like. I definitely, I mean, I think that shows like it, it, it's a cool thing that happened at the stadium with Otani. And I mean, I think he is like, I, I don't know like what it's going to take for him to maybe be one of the best players of all time, but it's like he is every, every single season, it seems like he keeps outdoing himself. And it's, it's, it's really, it's amazing to see. And I, I mean, I, I, it's obviously somebody that I'm, you know, rooting for and um, kind of, we'll see sort of what happens with free agency. He may sign like the biggest contract in free agency of all time. Like we'll see, it's going to be probably pretty crazy. Um, I will say that the only piece of merchandise my sons bought at the game was one of my sons bought a Shohei Otani Japanese uh, jersey t-shirt. Um, and he uh, never wanted the Shohei on the Angels. So I found that very interesting that he uh, loved the country um, and playing for country. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a big part of it for a lot of these players. I hear them talking about, you know, it's, it, they're, they're just as excited to win the World Baseball Classic as they might be for the World Series. So to Dr. Beckett's point about playing hard, 
Um, I think, you know, some of them definitely care uh, tremendously. Um, but I like growing the, the game worldwide. I think, and, and Dr. Beckett, your point earlier, growing the game worldwide, I think is the best part of the World Baseball Classic. Um, you know, get, getting Randy or Rose Arena, you know, as good as he is, to see him having that fun, not DHing, making a big catch in left field, not just hitting well. You see the personality. Um, you know, I, I, to me, that's, that's, that helps grow the game uh, worldwide. I mean, isn't that the goal? So to Adam's point, it's more playing hard and less celebrating. (laughs) But all these teams, I think, have clauses, you know, for their kind of daredevil clauses in the contracts that you can't do skydiving, you can't race motorcycles or things like that in the offseason. So apparently you shouldn't celebrate either. My wife has the same contract with me, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I really wonder, like, when I see my son buying that Shohei Japanese jersey, is there more of a market, you know, Adam, for, for cards from country for a lot of people? You know, w- would Puerto Rican set of cards or a Dominican set of cards or a Japanese set of cards, would that create a whole new market, you know, almost similar to what we were talking about with, with the college markets? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I think too, like, you know, Shohei Otani is never going to be on another national team. Like he's never going to be, you know, on another country. So it's like him getting that, the Japanese uh, Jersey shirt, like that's a, he can wear that forever because it's never, it's never going to go out of style because it's not like you're getting an angels Otani shirt and you know, he goes to you know, wherever he goes to San Diego or the Red Sox, or he goes to the Yankees or wherever Blue Jays or whatever, whatever team he goes to, um, you're, you're never going to run into that issue where your, your shirt that you have is now you can't, you can wear it cause it's your shirt, but it's like, it's, it's now out of date. Like, and I think that's one of the things with, with, you know, the world cup with national teams, like all these types of things, like, within soccer and i mean it's a little bit different but like within soccer cards that's why i kind of see the national team cards as more a little bit more important because like within soccer specifically like the the culture of soccer is that you move around and you go to different teams all the time so it's like when you get you know um you know you get the dortmund holland card or you get a Dortmund Hall on Jersey. Now he's on Manchester, Manchester city. And it's like, who knows if, you know, he goes to another team when his contract is up or he gets sold or loaned or whatever. So yeah, I think the national team sets, like you're always going to that player will more than likely. I can't really imagine most or any players switching national teams. Like, cause you know, there are with within us soccer, there are some players that have uh, like, Mexican heritage. So they, they can choose between Mexico or United States. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily like that within baseball, but like, I do think that like the, the, you know, those national sets, like, like I said, they're not going to be playing for another national team um, because once they choose, they can't really switch or it, and, and they can't switch because it's their nationality. But like, I, so I think that those sets would be cool as well. I uh, look at Fanatics saying they're growing this 10x or increasing marketing 10x, and there's only so many uh, ways to go um, other than international. So I think international has to be a big part of this pie. Um, without revealing anything you may or may not know, Dr. Beckett, I mean, clearly that seems to have to be an important part of the Fanatics game plan moving f- forward. Well, you're, you're, if you increase your marketing, I mean, the reach of a lot of American kind of uh, programming is is global anyway but i'm just impressed with your son 
<laughs> I, uh, instinctively knew to pick the variation T-shirt. You know, yep, it the is. one that's the road less traveled, the one that's going to catch somebody's eye. And, and to Adam's point, it's going to be timeless. It's, it's, it's timeless in a way that captures that moment. Whereas, you know, when he when he leaves the Angels, which it's very likely that he will, that's that's going to be that's going to look real dated. The, the Jap Japan thing is going to look like that was a, a, a captured moment that is timeless. He'll connect that with going to that game forever. Right. Uh, that, that's no point. Good point. Exactly. And and that's one of the things that I found at the World Baseball Classic to be unique was just it was seven games of baseball put into one into one game. And so it was common to see pitching changes in the first to second inning. Um, now, it was a very slow brand of baseball. They were on no pitch clocks or anything like that. Um, but the excitement in the stadium. Now, would you guys like it if there was bands and horns and drums at regular games, or, or is once every four years enough? Doctor doesn't, doesn't bother me. I mean, I just think, I mean, you you have to figure out what's it going to be. You know, is it going to be like golf and tennis, or is it going to be like uh, you know enthusiastic sports? So bring it on. Absolutely, bad flip your way all you want, um, Adam. Yeah, yeah, I do think it's like a national sport type of you know environment. So I do think that it it almost has like a novelty to it. So like I don't necessarily think it would be a bad thing to be at most games, but it's like I don't necessarily think um, it would be as popular <laughs> like for for some fans going to the games. To be honest, you, you don't think a Brewers game on a Tuesday night <laughs> um, that, that uh, you know the the band could play. Um, uh, Danny, at the game, were there any national team cards available for purchase? A great question. Not that I saw, but I will say it was uh, that it was uh, very heavily jersey. Uh, the, the, the stores were, as far as a regular baseball game where you might see a lot of different things, th this was mostly jerseys and shirts. Um, yeah, actually, see, yeah, that's sorry. Fanatics as well. Exactly. Right. Most likely Fanatics. So Fanatics is building their base which started with the uh, caps and shirts, jerseys, apparel, and, and they're going to broaden it. So, you know, so I, th that's a customer for them. So it's a potential customer for us. And yeah. And I, actually, yeah, one other thing, like I, I, it's not necessarily sports card related, but like when I was in grad school, I took a, uh, like I was in one of my marketing classes and the professor, the one thing that I will, the, the, the probably the one quote that I remember from all the time that I was in grad school is the professor said that uh, sports teams are not really sports teams. They're actually just fashion brands because you look at like the top teams, like a lot of their popularity isn't even because people like the team. It's because they like the branding. Like, you know, the New, the New York Yankees, like the New York Yankees hat is like sort of like an iconic logo. Same with, you know, Red Sox, same with a lot of other, like, you know, uh, Los Angeles Angels, same with like the Raiders, for example, like there are iconic brands that are, um, <clears throat> that are, you know, more of a brand than they are maybe even people that are fan of the sports teams. And, and I mean, also like if, you know, I think for like the, the, the Shohei Otani Japanese shirt example, like if I saw that shirt out in public, I think that would be a really cool shirt. Like, I think like, it's not something that you're seeing every day. So, you know, it's definitely like a cool, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's ne necessarily like a, 
I think it, I think it would be cool to see in public. That to be honest, like, and I think that kind of goes to the like sports teams being fashion brands rather than just like <laughs> rather than just sports teams for the most part. Well, if you're a Seinfeld fan, one of his uh, favorite uh, routines was, "We don't root for teams; we root for laundry." So uh, <laughs> uh, I, I will take that um, and, and on that. Uh, Live with Brad, um, I like the Texas Rangers because they are the Texas Rangers. Their branding is horrible. <laughs> uh, yes, I guess you like the team in your city, even if you don't like their name. But I think that's one of the nice things about the World Baseball Classic. Now, let's talk about the hobby implications. Does somebody playing well in the World Baseball Classic, would that make you pay more or less for a card? Or is it just kind of reinforces what you may have already thought of a player? What do you think, Dr. Beckett? It didn't make you pay more or less. It makes you seek out that card. And if that card has not been repriced, you're probably picking it up at whatever it was. But some of the dealers will be repricing their cards to reflect the latest, if they see a move on some player. So, and you got to be careful because, you know, a week later, that guy, there may be no demand for the same person. <laughs> so if you try to goose it, sometimes you, you'll miss out. So, so there, there's probably some price equilibrium there when there's, you know, somebody's hot in the moment. Uh, again, there's two schools of thought. One is don't sell it. And the other is sell it while you can. Adam, is it more like spring training stats or uh, something we should take seriously? You know, I think it'll be interesting to see how these players who are playing in this game, how they start out their seasons. Like if they start out playing better than some of the players in spring training, because like the spring training games, like sure, maybe they're a little bit competitive, but like this, I feel like the tournament itself, like it's, you know, they're, they're turning the dial up to 11 when it comes to a lot of these players. Like, so I'll be interested to see sort of if, you know, if it turns out to be like the, um, during the all-star game with the, with the home run derby, like if these players maybe turned it up a little bit too fat, too much, too quickly, and they start out the season slow, or if they come into the season and they just kind of continue the play that they've had, I, I, I think, you know, there may be players that, you know, the, uh, that maybe people haven't heard of that eventually like will get a little bit of shine during this tournament. But I mean, for the most part, like, all the good players that are playing in the tournament, people sort of already knew that they were good, you know, like the Trouts, Rose Arena, people sort of, he, he's kind of on the fence, but at the same time, like, you know, the, the desire for these players, I think there are some of the best players. So it's not like it really, I don't think anybody's getting caught off guard necessarily by any of the players playing. But like I said, it'll be interesting to see sort of when we go into the season, uh, how these players play and maybe if that affects any prices as well. Uh, Mookie says, uh, I have seen Otani prices rise for sure since the WBC. I'll admit I haven't checked specifically, but you know, Otani's also, I uh, believe, won MVP for his pool in the first round. So he's not just playing well, as Adam said before. I mean, both sides, and, and, and you know, we, we all know how good he was. But on this stage, with this, this many eyeballs, um, it's amazing there's still any runway for him. But, you know, maybe, you know, we're just seeing the beginning of it, like you said, Adam, and we're, and we're looking at an all-time great. Um, and maybe the only thing that separates that is just more playing time and more moments. Um, so it's just, well, you know, here, well, 
U.S. Sports Cards. Good morning, all. I was wondering if Dr. Beckett could change one thing about the hobby in 2023. What would it be? Dr. Beckett, other than my sense of humor, uh, what would you change in the hobby? Uh, how's that for off-the-cuff well, general <laughs> question? First I'll catch you. Unequivocally say that I, I'm not able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping, again, we're in a mixed market. So I'm not hoping that prices will go up or down. Some are going to go up, some are going to go down. But what I'm cha the changing is probably, and again, I don't want to increase production a whole lot because I think we've got retail equilibrium at least where there's, there's stuff on the retail shelves. I just want to, I, I, the one thing I want to change, I want to have more collectors at the end of 2023 than we did in 2022. That's, that's the main thing. If there's more eyeballs, more interest, that will mean more dollars. That it's contagious when people are having a good time. It's a, that's, I hope that's the big story at the end of 2023, that fanatics marketing efforts paid off in terms of increasing uh, the number of people in the hobby that the national in Chicago has uh, record attendance, beating all the others, including Anaheim, 30, uh, 30, more than 30 years ago. God, I can't believe that. I can't believe Anaheim's been was been that long. <laughs> yeah, I, I was there, and I was younger. Yeah, yeah I was younger too. <laughs> uh, so the World Baseball Classic actually speaks to that. I, I mean, this is this is fanatics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my son's a 12-year-old Pokemon fan, and now he has an Otani jersey. Um, that is very directly related. So um, I was shocked at the great behavior of the fans. The noise, you know, it didn't matter who you were rooting for. All the fans seemed to bond around the World Baseball Classic. And, and, and the civility and the fun, you know, was, was really made, made the experience part of what I enjoyed. Um, I also enjoy, and this is uh, my transition here, a lot of hobby, uh, social media, and content creation, but not everybody always plays, you know, with the same uh, niceness or, or even the same etiquette of just uh, you know, loving thy neighbor. So I, I know, Adam, you had a situation specifically that you wanted to bring up um, that I'd love you to explain for people. Yeah, sure. So I've seen like a lot of like discourse over the past like couple weeks about um, making sure to tag people and, you, you know, finding using estimating prices. Um, I mean, specifically Eric Whitehead, who is <clears throat> collectibles guru, who does uh, collectible guru. I think that's his name on Twitter. He does like a lot of, um, you know, breaking, breaking news types of posts with like cards that are being pulled. And uh, over the past couple of weeks, there's been a little bit of pushback on some of the content that he's been making uh, just because there was maybe missing tags or he hadn't been tagging people or had, had been using content from other creators. And I mean, I think it's, I think it's a conversation that like, if you're a content creator, like it's important to tag people. I, I I'm sort of in the middle on, on, on the fence here. Like when it comes to like, it's not, I feel like it's not as important as people are making it out to be, but I think it also is, it is important because it's like for breakers, for people kind of creating content on social media, the engagement in their accounts is sort of the business. Like that's sort of the important part. So it's like, if, some if a breaker or someone pulls a card like 
it's I think it's important for if someone's making content around that card to then tag the tag the account because like that's you know if you're a breaker that's that's sort of how you're running your business like the promotion of that card I think is important for a lot of breakers when it comes to like being able to promote their breaks um, or um, showing that you know they have certain cards that they've pulled and trying to get more customers and stuff along those lines. Um, so yeah, I think that there, like I said, there's been discourse around that type of stuff. And like I said, I think it is something where people should tag the people that are pulling the card, like if it's a breaker, um, or like if, you know, if it's on Facebook, you know, showing the original post, like, I mean, I definitely have fallen into a situation, situation sometimes where it's like, I, you know, I don't tag people like, but for the most part, I try to do my best to make sure I'm tagging everybody or at least like if I'm showing like an Instagram post to like keep their Instagram name in the post itself, if I'm going to be talking about it. So yeah, I mean, from my perspective, that's sort of what I've seen. And I think it's important that we kind of maybe just discuss sort of like other types of social media etiquette and kind of, cause I think right now the story of sports cards is being written on social media. Like I think that, you know, with like, uh, Dr. Beckett with like Beckett magazine and like other types of hobby publications, like that story had been written in like, in uh, like magazine and written form. But like now we're seeing a big transition to like a more digital world. So like the story of, so the story of sports cards right now is being written on social media. And I think, I think maybe we all need to try and work together a little bit more to try and paint the picture of our industry, you know, being a little bit more cohesive, to be honest. Cause like, I think that there can be a lot of like infighting between accounts on social media. And I don't, I don't think it has to be that way. Like, I think if we all work together, cause that's all we want. All we want is to grow the industry. So it's like, if we all work together to, show new people coming in that you know you can come to our industry if you're into sports cards or you're into this type of thing and and people can see that it's a place where everyone is welcome and you know but if there's you know fighting in between accounts or fighting on social media it it gives the hobby in some ways a bad you know it's it's a bad look and sometimes but i i understand where people are coming from like i said i'm sort of on the on the fence here to be honest but like just in general like those are kind of some of the things that are happening and some of the things that um i see just in general i guess dr beckett i'm curious for you when you switched into content creation um kind of as a learning curve or decision about how you wanted to approach your shows you know, what, what, did you think positive? Did you think neutral? Did you think you just do what's, you know, what, what interests you? Well, we're, we're talking about etiquette. We're not talking about illegalities, uh, breaking the law. <laughs> uh, I hope we're not even talking about dishonesty. We're just talking about maybe not giving full credit. And it reminds me of traveling in the NBA. You know, we, we the, the, this Eurostep thing, it's not in the rule book. But the NBA has not told the officials to crank down on traveling because it promotes the athleticism and the highlights that, that are seen every night. Okay, And so what Adam is talking about is, is, is perhaps adding friction to some of the people who want to just play fast and loose and not give credit. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's not good. But is, is the NBA or anybody want to crack down on it when it's allowing for more easier, less friction to get things out there and to, and to, and to propagate and, and, and to grow. And so that, I think that's the whole thing of social media is that if it's, if it's bridled, that's 
not as good as if it's unbridled. And so I, I'm with you, Adam. It's, it's poor etiquette to uh, borrow or take something and pretend as if it's your own or your discovery. There ought to be proper attribution. 100% agree. Uh, U.S. Sports Card says social media drama seems to be wild, wild west, and I'm okay with that. Some people do it for fun. Others do it for money. Um, you know, it, it is the wild, wild west a little bit. I'll agree with that. It, and, and that's not specific to the hobby. Um, YouTube, for anything right now, um, I'm always reminded by a good friend of mine that no matter how many views you think you get on YouTube, there's a snake eating a cricket somewhere with 10 million more. <laughs> So uh, in the wild, wild west, there were gunfights, yeah. the fastest gun. And then you had a gunfight and you got killed by the other yeah. guy who was faster from the other town or that was coming through town. So nobody's dying here, but there, there are showdowns and, uh, and a lot of uh, posturing. And so, again, Adam, I'm with you. I think proper etiquette uh, sometimes is ignored. Yeah, I think too, like, unfortunately, like in a situation like this, the post in question probably got more engagement because of the drama sort of that it has created rather than like if if there had just been tagging that had gone on in the first place. And I, I think it's just unfortunately like, you know, I, I try to use social media to enjoy content that I like, but sometimes I get kind of enthralled in um, – Sometimes I get enthralled in like the drama on the internet, to be honest, because it's just like it's it's just interesting. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is about it. Like there's just there's interest and there's eyeballs in it at all times. It's, you know, it's one reason why, like, you know, the, whatever the Jersey Shore, for example, like that show is one of the best. I think it's one of the best shows of all time because it was just like it was so outside of the life that I lived. Like, so it's just it's interesting. And there was just drama all the time. And it's, I mean, it's made like why people like reality TV, just because like whether the drama is real or the drama was created by the producers, uh, like edited that way, uh, people just enjoy the drama. So it's like, you know, if. Uh, and I, I think I, 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 um, I talked to Mike summer recently and he's another great content creator. And one of the, one of the things that he said that I really enjoyed was that like, you should just, if you're a creator and you enjoy creating, just do that. And don't worry about creating content that you think other people are going to be interested in. Because like at the end of the day, if, if you're just seeking the, dopamine of people liking your posts or commenting like eventually that's going to run out and if you're but if you're in if you're seeking the dopamine of creating the content itself you'll always be able to create stuff and uh, I, that's a little bit something i added at the end there but i think that is something in my opinion from a content creation perspective that i try and follow myself is like if you're creating content like create content that interests you not what you think will be interesting to other people. And, and I, just one other thing, I, I think some people that is what interests them is like getting people to talk about it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's both sides of the coin there, I think. And speaking to, to the point, everyone who publishes on social media is effectively a citizen journalist with obligations for honesty and attribution when possible. You don't have to, but it will serve you well. And that's from Buki. I, I just like to say, yeah, I mean, in, in general, treating people well, you know, comes back. Uh, several times over, um, I think we can agree on that. We're all we're all in a we're in a, a giant reality show, right? Yes, and and so and we, we know some of the other actors and 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 there's there's uh, 
there's uh, good guys and bad guys. There's heels. <laughs> so, uh, it's not, but it's unscripted. It's unscripted. Uh, Kevin Jones. Yes, I love my lo-fi YouTube channel. Minimal views, but it's fun for me. You know, Kevin, we'll give you a shout out. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure people uh, tune in. We'll get you some viewers. Because that, that's the idea. It, it, you know, I think when we talk about growing growing the, the, the hobby or growing the market, we're talking about people who love what we love. And just sharing, you know, who doesn't want to share what you love with other people and experience it? Um, right. and, and so, you know, Cooter, uh, uh, welcome Cooter, uh, says growing the industry is not we need growing collectors and participants. Well, that's an interesting comment. I guess that's just how you, you separate the industry from the collectors and participants. But I will say the bottom line is we, we need more people that are interested in the cards and the companies are there uh, to support them, hopefully in some way or another. And with all the companies that came in, I think the ones that uh, give the best customer service value are, are going to be the ones that stay around because I think with the social media, uh, there's a lot of watchdogs and a lot of commentary. So that's why, you know, it's important to have the attribution if you're making a comment or you're reporting on something. Well, the negativity sometimes sells, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like my wrestling analogy. If you're a heel in, in, in one of the wrestling federations, you've got to be interesting. You, 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 if you're a jerk, you've got to be a jerk in an interesting way. If you're going to lose, you've got to lose in an interesting way. You can't just be, there has to be some some substance there. Otherwise, you don't have a following. And so you just can't be a – so you, you have to have some shtick. And so a lot of these people, uh, Adam, we're talking about, have a shtick. They have mm -hmm. something that sets them apart, and they're, they're, they're rubbing people, some people the wrong way, a lot of people the wrong way. But that's their, that's their sense of being a heel, I think. Maybe it's just the way they really are. But most of these wrestling guys are not heels in real life. And that's a huge point because I think not all hobby content creation is real life either. Um, and, I think and they're playing a part. They, they, have, a, they have a persona. I, yeah. And um, my weakest point in content creation was when I lost my patience with somebody in the hobby. And, and I will say that my etiquette there was not what I wish it would have been. Um, but... Um, it did. It, something rubbed me the wrong way. And, 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 you know, I think this person enjoys playing a heel. And I think you're right, Dr. Beckett. And to, um, the point in the comments is it was probably on me to ignore it. And if, and if less people engaged in it, uh, there would probably be uh, more positivity that we could all share. Um, and uh, this is an interesting comment uh, from the card hobbyist. Everyone has what they enjoy for sure. I show off raw cards and binders because it's what I like to collect, but it's probably cringeworthy to those who only like slab pristine graded tens. Well, that's the point is, you know, you enjoy what you enjoy. And, you know, that that's, nobody here is going to argue with that. And In the somebody, social yeah. media world, Danny, if half the people love you and half the people hate you, that's a recipe for success. What's okay. not a recipe for success is 10% of the people love you, 10% of the hate, hate you, and 80% don't care. Yeah. And yeah, so I think one of the, like polarizing is cells. Yeah, and I think too, like I know one thing that like if you listen to you know people who kind of give advice on social media, I think one thing that they say like about like comments and stuff like that is like you should like ignore the comments and like it's not necessarily that you should like you should 
if you're getting comments, that should be actually something that you should maybe strive for and maybe not strive for and strive for it in a negative way. And I mean, a tip for, for me that I've used sometimes is like, if you want to post something negative or you want to leave a negative comment, just type it out and then just erase it because like you're getting the same, um, maybe hit a dopamine from like the, uh, just typing it out and erasing it. than you would be typing out and actually posting it. It's one extra action that like, if you just type it out and you get it off your chest, it's maybe it's like venting to like your significant other or something like that. Like you don't always necessarily want their, maybe you don't necessarily always want their advice when you're, venting about something but just saying it and getting it off your chest is helping you uh in a way like just you know getting away from sort of some of the negativity so i mean i don't know i don't think i don't necessarily think there's tons of people that are uh, negative kind of in this community but like if <laughs> hypothetically if you're running into a scenario where you see someone tweet something that you don't like just write out the tweet and then just erase erase it I, i've done that hundreds of times to be completely honest and it's helped me like because at this at the end of the day it's just you know I don't think you – I think with social media in general, you don't get the – you don't get what you think you're getting by leaving a negative comment on somebody's post like or commenting something or leaving a nasty – saying something nasty. Like you're, you're not helping you and all you're doing is adding to maybe um, the negativity in this situation itself, I guess, if that makes sense. Adam, you are uh, – would be an excellent – guest host if Rob <laughs> Gerard, the sports card therapist ever has the flu because <laughs> you're, you're giving sports card therapist advice that's sound. <laughs> you know? So there's a show for everybody. Right. Yeah. And also, sorry, one other thing. I just, I think too, like to, to the card hobbyists, like there are hundreds of different ways that people can thousands. There's infinite ways that people can enjoy this industry. So it's like, if you enjoy doing a certain thing, just because other people don't enjoy it doesn't mean that it's not good. Like if you enjoy the raw cards and binders, like then just do, just do that. Like, I think that's, but if you enjoy buying PSA tens, like then do it that way. Like, so I think and it goes to kind of the conversation of the whole of our show exactly today. Like there are hundreds of different ways that you can enjoy this industry. Maybe you enjoy national team cards, or maybe you enjoy college cards. There's no wrong way to really do it unless you're going out of your way sort of to maybe cause negativity. But like in general, like if you are enjoying opening packs or anything, like I said, there's just hundreds of different ways you can enjoy the hobby and everybody enjoys it differently most of the time. Well, the, the whole point of etiquette is to be kind, I think. It'd be appropriate to do the right thing. And so I include that in etiquette, Adam, that, that if you're raining on somebody's parade, they, they bring their stuff. It's like, and again, there's a number of excellent dealers that when some kid or whatever walks up to your table and says, I got these cards for sale and it's junk wax, you know, you, you just say, well, I, I, I already haven't, I, I'm not in a position to buy that, you know, or something, but to say, you got absolute junk. You're an idiot. You know, it's just it's be kind, be thoughtful, and uh, you know maybe the person will come back and and uh, get into the hobby and realize. But you, you don't have to be the one that that uh, destroys them. Right. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I think when it comes down to it, anybody uh, on this show, anybody in this chat, uh, if we had a box of cards and a table, we could sit down, open packs together and enjoy ourselves. And that, 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 that's, that's the, that's my favorite part, but I'm a big dork as you guys know. Uh, Dr. Beckett, what do you have on your schedule hobby wise uh, coming up? If I know you, it's sorting. Uh, sorting cards. I'm, I'm still, <laughs> I've, I've got a strategy now of when I'm, I make three piles or four piles. One is for me. One is for Rich. One is for ComC and, and a big pile for eBay. <laughs> oh. And Adam, I know you had uh, something uh, special coming up. I want to make sure you have time to get that in. Yeah, so I'm, I've been trying to develop a new long-form YouTube show. Um, I at least plan to every week do two two-hour-ish live streams. I, I usually it'll be after Hobby Hotline. So like today, I'll be going live on my channel after after this at Heroes for Sale. And then one of the days throughout the week, it's been Wednesdays the past two weeks. We'll see if it if that changes. But um, yeah, just got like the, the YouTube show that's going to go live after this show. Um, so if anybody is interested and wants to come check it out, um, we got some other, other topics and stuff we're going to be talking about on there. Absolutely. And even though it's on screen, I just put it in the chat as well. Um, so for everybody you know, who joined us today, I want to say thank you. Um, I assume that we will see you in Adam's chat room in a couple minutes. Uh, and for BenchClear Media, thanks for having us. And uh, Dr. Beckett, Adam, appreciate you guys. Have a good one. You too, Danny. Thank yeah. you.